Please be advised Mental Health Mondays deals with some heavy topics and subjects such as mental health, suicide, sexual assault and more. Please listen at your own discretion and please seek professional help if you are struggling. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mental Health Mondays. Uh, It's your host, Ebony, as usual, and I will pass it over to Chris to introduce himself and where he's from and where you can find him. Hi, my name is Chris. I am the host of the Cult Film Companion podcast available on all major podcast platforms. I am a Rhode, uh, Rhode Island United States of America native, and I currently live in the capital city of Rhode Island, Providence. And I am here because before I started podcasting and writing, I had my education and training in the mental health field. I was a psychology major, and I spent several years working at a community mental health center. So I am Plus, I've had my own struggles, haven't we all, with with Mm. mental illness. So I have um, my own my own stories to share, as well as uh, plenty of stories about my experience working in the mental health program. So that's a little bit about me. So sorry. So when you say community health, obviously, me being in Australia, it could be very different to what you guys have over there. So maybe just explain a little bit as to the sort of uh the sort of places that you worked and is it are we talking just like is it like a community health so there's got different sections because here community health it would be like you go in a building there'd be like a psych here and then you could go to another area and there might be an actual doctor like actual Uh, general practitioner and then there might be like a nutritionist in one area so is it the same sort of thing or is that a bit different the clinic that i worked at was primarily mental health Mm -hmm. um so we didn't have like a general practitioner we didn't we'd have nutritionists come in to talk to clients but it wasn't someone that we had fully staffed and by community mental health i mean this is not this is a public uh, nonprofit organization. So okay. yep. we would get a lot of people. Um, a lot of the clients were on Medicare or Medicaid, which is, you know, the the government issued medical insurance. So this was not a, a private facility. Mm-hmm. This was this was a clinic for everybody. And we had residential buildings for residential clients and we had community teams and i was a member of a community team which means that some of my appointments would be clients coming into the center and also i would uh to certain clients that were not able to either come in or were more comfortable meeting in their homes or at the park or something i would go meet them so it was um you know, when I say community center, it was very much community based. I spent a lot of time in the community talking with these people and trying my best to help them. So, so was it like an actual, sorry, were you like an actual psychologist, psychiatrist? Like, was there an official title? Is it more so just someone to go, someone who's got that background, but not as official? Like, where were you in the, in the I guess you you could classify me as a psychologist. A psychiatrist is someone that also went to medical school, mm-hmm. so that's, that's not something I did. That's not, actually you would want to speak to my father about that. He's a psychiatrist. He okay. actually he actually you know he did four years of college and then four years of medical school. I did four years of college and then went in 
And then I started getting, you know, you get some initials after your names. Mm-hmm. Um, after a while, I got my CCSP, which means Certified Community Support Professional, after training and uh, prior to leaving, um, I was the senior case manager, which means that, um, you know, I was I was the individual that would then train all the new case managers coming in and a case manager is someone that it doesn't have a a license for professional counseling or something like a a substance abuse counselor Uh, it was just someone that had you know this was kind of like uh this is where you start this is kind of where you're starting down in the trench sort of vent to and just Mm -hmm. shoulder to lean on sort of thing right you know my and this is something that I quickly learned is that my role changed drastically depending on the individual that mm-hmm. I was working with, depending on my, my caseload, on my clientele. Some people required a great deal more of help than others. Some people I needed to see once or twice a month. Some mm-hmm. people I saw once. A month. Then there was people that I would, we have um, for people that, either don't have the skills or the ability to kind of maintain their own um, intake of the medications that they should be taking. Sometimes we would have people that would come into the center every day for medication, just so we would make sure that they're taking it. Um, Some people did this um, willingly and some people Mm -hmm. were, if you're a court and then that, that, that's something else. I'm not sure if you have this in Australia. We have people that are court ordered for treatment. Mm-hmm. And, um, that comes with its own um, set of circumstances that has yeah. to be dealt yeah. with because people have to go to mental health court. They have to comply with their mental health plan. And if they don't, um, the worst part of my job would be when I had to send someone to the hospital against their will. Mm-hmm. And I say it's the worst part of my job because that's the best part of my job is keeping people out of the hospital is that's, that's what really kind of kept me in, in there was seeing the help and, you know, with a little bit of guidance and pushing people in the right direction, being able to see them kind of, recapture or capture elements of their lives that had previously been devastated by mental illness. And the worst part is, is um, when you have to, you know, say, uh, I'm sorry that I have to do this, mm-hmm. but this is, you're going to hate me right now, but I'm doing this for your own, you know, your own welfare for your own well-being. I'm not trying to be an a-hole. I'm not trying to be a prick, but I mean, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we have to do what's best for you. And and in the state of mind that you're in right now, then I I'm the one that has to make that call. And like I said, that's the worst part of my job. That's that's not why um, you know, why I liked the job so much. I liked when people would achieve small milestones mm-hmm. in their in their progress in the recovery and um, just seeing the progress that people would make, you know? So um, yeah, it's, it was certainly um, challenging. Oh my gosh. Challenging <laughs> is an understatement um, because there's such a high turnover rate of people working in the mental health field mm-hmm. and so my caseload i think that this is just a worldwide World, thing is that, absolutely yeah it's a global it's a global issue that needs to really kind of be addressed that people deserve to have i mean it's just kind of recently and i say recently just but just like in the history of uh, in re- relative to the history of um medicine in general and health in general there's so much emphasis put on physical health that mental health uh, was neglected or mistreated for mm. years, and years and years. 
Um, I mean, you watch some old documentaries about what these, I, and I'm glad that we don't have asylums anymore mm-hmm. where people are just locked up and we throw the key away. And, you know, um, the very archaic, uh, very primitive ways of treating people, you know, frontal lobotomies and, uh, and all that kind of gruesome mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, you know, that's not really that's not really the way that you know we treat people now. So I'm just glad that the um, what's the word? I would say that the quality of mental health care and help out there is improving, which is mm. which is great. And um, you know, going. And it's interesting to me as someone that studied psychology, the most interesting thing to me is that, and I'm talking kind of now more of the extremes of mental illness. Um, I mean, we all deal with um, depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not breathing, then you're, you're probably not (laughs) dealing with it. (laughs) So but when you start reading, you know, when you're reading a, in 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 class at university, and you're sitting there with a book and you're reading about what schizophrenia is mm-hmm. like or what a personality disorder is or what bipolar really is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing. No textbook, no professor is going to be able to prepare you when you're actually trying to help someone that's afflicted that's sick with these diseases Um, I couldn't agree with you more at all like I don't have that background by any means I did psychology in high school but that was it Mm -hmm. but I have grown up around or been around multiple different uh, people with different mental health disorders and such my whole life and um my ex I say ex-stepmom because my dad's no longer married but she had bipolar and I had never been around anyone to my knowledge that had had bipolar and bringing her into our lives was just it's just like a whole new world it was just a completely different situation that I'd never been in mind you I was 16 17 at the time so going from I mean obviously I've dealt with depression and anxiety nearly my entire life but it's a whole other kettle of fish no that's a whole other kettle of fish it really is and I think the most important thing that that I've learned and that I hope that other people learn is that Listen, I uh, and I could I could speak from personal appearance from my clients. I've been called the worst things. I, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to repeat here. Um, <laughs> and I've my I've had my life threatened. Um, you know, like I said, I've been called every name in the book. I've had my life threatened. I've had, um, you know, just just been treated really really poorly. But poorly. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, but you know. But as a professional, I, you know, I had to, you had to step back and it's, so it's completely different for me because I never grew up, but I can only imagine having someone enter your life at such a formative age for you to be such a, what's the nice way of, I I would say unpredictable. Absolutely. How about that? That's being that time of my life as well, because I got kicked out of home at around 15, then moved in with my dad um, a few months later, and then he brought her into the picture. So I'm dealing with my own shit with being kicked out of home by my mom. I'm dealing with changing schools. I'm dealing with now someone bipolar. And it was just like a big explosion just in front of me. And you're just dealing with being 16, which is enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else shaking, shaking up that, uh, that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But the most important thing that I could, I, 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 there's a couple of things I would like people to take away is that don't 
and I, I also say this with um, in reference to people with um, with drug addiction, because that's another thing mm-hmm. that we that we dealt with is um, I had um, a lot of people with what we call co-occurring co-occurring disorders, which would be mental health issues as well as um, substance abuse problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of have to learn very quickly that when someone is inebriated or if someone is very very high mm-hmm. or someone is very in a and a manic state or someone is experiencing very very high um just symptoms of whatever mental disorder they're having that you have to you have to detach yourself and understand that what what is happening is nothing personal um so i mean it's so it's kind of like you got to take a step back and just kind of say you know it's funny one of my favorite movies and i I, throughout this conversation i'm going to name drop a couple movies that's fine Um, (laughs) both um, on our own movie podcast go for it sure (laughs) but i'm just i'm gonna keep this mental health related one of my absolutely if, if you want a light but very funny movie that deals with someone who actually might not be mentally ill, but is convinced that he is mentally ill is a movie called what about Bob mm-hmm. uh, with Bill Murray and uh, a psychiatrist. And he's much, um, but he just has this very interesting saying and it kind of applies. It doesn't apply just to mental health but it applies to people in general he says some people are like phones some of them are just kind of off the hook or they're not in service right now and it's okay to hang up the phone so that's just kind of a, a, a an interesting line. yeah it's you know <laughs> you just kind of try not to take it too personally um and you just gotta once you, but once you work enough in the field you realize that that mm-hmm. that um someone you know you know, I had someone that, you know, threatened to kill me because I had to cert him with certify, certify, you know, with the police and that he mm-hmm. had to be taken to the hospital. Um, you know, he threatened to kill me and he threatened to hunt down me and my family and all, said all this terrible, terrible things. And then when he finally got, he was court ordered, um, to have a monthly injection of a, of a medication for his, uh, for schizophrenia. And mm-hmm. when that medication wears off or the symptoms get too much, you know, things like this happened. Um, it's actually kind of, I'll share this story. I'm, you know, I'm not going to use any names or anything. So I don't have to worry about that, but it's actually, it started out kind of funny and then ended up being sad, but it has a happy ending. So we'll start with the funny part was that he lived, this individual lived in an apartment complex and another person that lived in that same complex claimed that my client threatened to cut his head off, which, you know, kind of, okay. That's a bit <laughs> Yeah, and th- those are the very and like he would do these hand motions to say this is this is the size of the sword and it was huge, and um we'll we'll I'll get to the point where it's actually kind of funny because um so me and somebody else from um uh, emergency services went out to the apartment and he wouldn't answer the door and. He was he was due for his, he was due for his monthly shot, and we tried to get him to open the door. He wouldn't open the door, so we told the police had to come, and we told the police what had happened. That you know, there's supposedly this gigantic sword, and it's not not mm-hmm. knife. This was specified. We're like a knife. He's like, no, 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 a sword. And I was like, okay. So I told the police, I was like, if there's anything in there, it's probably a knife. Um. I seriously doubt this man has a sword. <laughs> Long story short, turns out I was wrong. <laughs> oh, no. My client, my client was brought out, brought out by the police. He was restrained, and 
I learned something that day that a taser gun does not have the same effect on someone with schizophrenia than you or I would have, because apparently the taser gun, which affects your nervous system um, and shocks it, uh, really had no effect on my client. He took like three tasers. <laughs> was wow. still I didn't see it. This is just from what the police said. Uh, I we had to we had to leave. We were waiting in the parking lot. Um, so they brought him out. He called me all sorts of mean, nasty names, told me he was going to kill me. And we were getting ready to leave. And then another cop comes out of the apartment building with, I kid you not, an actual samurai sword. <laughs> I have no idea where this man got this sword from. Um, he certainly doesn't drive. He doesn't. He, he visits the same half dozen places <laughs> that I've known him for somehow came across a samurai sword. So he went to the hospital and the, like I said, it has a happy ending because like he was saying all these mean, nasty things about me. And uh, we have people that would, we, we have individuals that just, so I don't have to go visit people in the hospital. Although I do, I, I have done that um, for obvious reason. I wasn't particularly, um, looking forward to visiting him in the hospital uh, mm -hmm. because of what had happened and what he had said about me. But turns out a couple weeks away from me, a couple weeks of his medication and uh, he was good as new and he was very happy to see me and he had forgotten <laughs> the entire situation. So, so, you know, that those are the kinds of things that, you know, that that's a very extreme example that, you know, that's, that that's like kind of a one, you get kind of like your one per year, your one really, whoa okay that just happened moment um but for the most part you know and like i said you know it has a happy ending he's still as far as i know i um it's I still funny have... you say that it's extreme and like one in a million sort of thing because you've just described my neighbor to a t oh dear <laughs> <laughs> is uh, your neighbor mentally ill it is or... extremely safe to assume so Okay. I cannot confirm or deny because I do not know. <laughs> but um, definitely drugs involved as well. <laughs> well, you see. And that's... has entered my home without me knowing and walked throughout it and threatened and said people are going to kill him. And the whole spiel you just gave is pretty much this word for word the same thing without the sword. <laughs> wow. Yeah, once the samurai sword gets uh, introduced, uh, all bets are off. You got to be careful about those those individuals. But um, another thing that I want to make sure people recognize mm -hmm. um, and to really take away is that a lot of times when we have horrific events happen, like a school shooting or something, mm -hmm. um we um, a lot of people immediately assume mental illness or want to attribute it to mental illness but the most important thing if you get nothing else out of this little talk between us the most important thing that i want people to realize is that someone with a mental illness is far 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 more likely to be the victim of a crime mm -hmm. and not the perpetrator of mm -hmm. a crime. Um, these are very, like I said, what I just described is a very extreme case. Nobody got hurt, thankfully. But when when these things happen, um, not to say that it, it isn't, you know, that mental illness isn't a, a part of it, but I just want it's more important and I hope that more people realize and that it resonates that individuals with uh, mental illness are far more likely to be the victim mm -hmm. and not the perpetrator. So Absolutely. if I can't, if not, if people get nothing else out of it, that's that I think is the most important thing to remember. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And um, like I said, I, um, I, I don't work in the field anymore. I left on medical leave. Um, I have a blood disease called avascular necrosis, which is a blood disease where blood doesn't flow properly through your bones of all places. And when this wow. happens, the bones start to um, 
wear away pretty much. And I, I thought I had pinched a nerve or pulled a muscle and, um, I neglected it for weeks and then months. And then when I finally ended up going to the doctor, I, I went to a walk-in clinic and uh, they took x-rays of my hip because I told them that, you know, my hip was bothering me. And uh, I've never had this experience before. The doctor, <laughs> the look on his face when he came back in to see me when the x-rays were done, immediately I could tell by the look on his face, uh, this isn't good. It turns out that my uh, I had pretty much worn away part of my hip and um, led to a hip replacement at a very young age. Um, usually you hear hip replacement, you hear you think someone in an old folks home fell down mm. a flight of stairs or something. So I had. Yeah. So I had this blood disease. I had a hip replacement. <clears throat> excuse me. Less than two weeks after my hip replacement surgery, I was doing everything that I should. I was doing physical therapy at the time I was using crutches and a walker. And I took one step one day and it felt like I got shot in the right leg. And the next day I went back to my surgeon and he took an x-ray and sure enough, I managed to fracture my femur. Oh Which, my god! If you don't know, is the biggest bone in your body. Um, that hurt way worse than the hip. So, stop physical therapy, reschedule another surgery, um, and then everything kind of like your life gets put on hold. I was mm -hmm. used to go, 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 school, work, friends. I used to play in bands, all that kind of good stuff. And then to be laid up in bed. And um, that's really when I kind of had to come face to face with my depression because all the things that I used to use to mask my depression work. Um, I was I would uh, I would pack my, you know, I would take extra shifts. I was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I would work all day, then go to school at night and then wake up and do it all over again. I was always busy, busy, busy. I needed to have something to do. And then I went from that to having nothing to do because mm -hmm. here I am, I'm all laid up. So then I had to deal with depression and um, then anxiety um, that came along with the depression and, um, you know, trying different, medications trying mm -hmm. different doctors trying different um whatever and eventually um a couple years ago i finally found the right doctor and the right combination of medication that um now i'm able to be a um as high functioning as an individual <laughs> as like as I can be right now. Um, so that's kind of my, 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 my own mental health story is that it's not, I wouldn't want to say trial and error, but it's kind of like, you need to wait until you have, you need to have the right doctor, someone that you trust, mm -hmm. someone that you can talk to. Um, I was seeing a, um, a counselor for a while. It's just someone to talk to. Um, but slowly but surely, I found I had less need to talk to the counselor and I didn't need, uh, you know, I don't need to see my doctor every month now. It's pretty much kind of like a, a check in and, you know, if something needs to change, it needs to change. But um, the most important thing that I think people need to realize is that if you're not, if you don't, if it's your first um first attempt at trying to get some help from mental health illness or a substance abuse problem um you, you don't you're not just remember you're not marrying your doctor you're not marrying your counselor you're not marrying a support program if it's not working for you the last thing that i would say to someone is to give up it's 
there's plenty of other options. You just need to explore them. You need to kind of, you need to give yourself the time that you deserve to find the person that's going to be best suited to help you. And there is, there is no be all to end all. It's a very individual, individualized process. So um, it takes time. It took me years to Mm -hmm. finally find the right um, doctor that um, was able to kind of understand where I was coming from and um, being able to help me give me the kind of help that I needed. Um, So I've I've said exactly the same thing in previous episodes as well. It is finding the right doctor is everything but it is mm-hmm. a hard work to find that right doctor and you need to a hundred percent be persistent with it yes. because knowing from my own experiences I have quit multiple times and been like screw it no one's out there for me I'm done and mm-hmm. the best decision I ever made was to keep searching and I'm 29 now and I'd only just found the right doctor and I'd been dealing with it since I was like 10. So there's always someone out there. You've just got to keep searching. Right. And yeah, so you're, you're pretty much saying what I'm saying is the most mm-hmm. important thing for people listening is that you're worth it. So absolutely, you as an individual absolutely. owe it to yourself to don't settle for the first i mean if if you the first doctor you come across first counselor that you meet is the one um and there there you kind of know it and you feel it um then that's great but i'm gonna say that it's probably not the first doctor that you come across is the one that's going to be the one Mm -hmm. that really that really you know is the best fit for you and um so explore resources um, and talk to people. And that's the most important thing. That's kind of, I mean. We interrupt this podcast for a quick promo break. But don't stress, we'll be back soon. Charles, we just recorded for two hours. We did. Now what do you want? <laughs> we have to talk about our show. Okay. Who are we? And what uh, do we do? Ha. I am Martha Madrigal. And I'm Charles Tyson Jr. We are the hosts of Full Circle, the, the podcast. podcast. You are a beautiful white trans woman. I will take that. <laughs> of a certain age and tired beyond imagination. And you are a gorgeous black cis pan man who has shared my life for 10 years. And we're engaged. I put a ring on it. Yeah, you did put a ring on it. It's a pretty ring, too. <laughs> Now we have a podcast. Yeah, there's not much we don't talk about here. It's true. We talk about LGBTQ issues, headlines of the day. We talk about fun things too, like movies and music and television and pop culture. Mm -hmm. And we talk about what it is to be black in America and what it is to be trans in America and how those things intersect and collide. And child, it gets interesting. And you can check us out every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Because once again, we're Charles Tyson Jr. and Martha Madrigal, and this is Full Circle, the The podcast. podcast. Are we done now? I think so. Okay. Hi there. My name is Chris. I'm the host of the Cult Film Companion Podcast. We are the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. I'm a firm believer that a cult movie can come from any time period, any director, any movie studio, and covers a wide variety of genres, often within one single movie. It's all about the legacy that these movies have built up over time. So please tune into the Cult Film Companion Podcast. We are available now on every major podcast platform. Join our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram, Cult Film Companion Podcast, all underscores in between those words. Follow us on Twitter, at Cult Film Comp. Send us messages for movie recommendations. Too. And remember to keep it cult. But don't drink the Kool-Aid, because it'll make you sick. Or kill you. Take care. See, that wasn't too long. Now back to the episode. You're not going to get the real help that you need if you're not, number one, honest about what what's really going on. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're 
sugarcoating your symptoms or what's going on with you, a mental health professional is not the place to do that. You got to be, if you really want the help, um, you gotta, you, you kind of have to ask for it or I mean, or you're going to end up in a situation where the help's going to be, um, you know, God forbid you end up in a situation where the help is, is put on to you is forced onto you by family or friends or something like that. Something like that happens. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would say the most important thing is to realize that just like everything in life, you need a little bit of patience and you need to really take your time with this, this process. Um, so, um, and there's nothing wrong. There's obviously nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, uh, I, I'm glad that the stigma around mental health is starting to um, evaporate um, mm-hmm. slowly, but surely. So, but yeah, that's kind of me and my story. So, um, well, you said before that he, your dad's a psych. So does, is, was it that, background that like made you wanted to head down the same sort of or similar path or was it more of like a random decision or something triggered it so that was my let's see i i've been to three i started out as a music major Mm -hmm. and then i was thinking that i wanted to be a writer and then my mom kept telling me that i should be a teacher and then i took a general psych class and it was interesting to me and then i ended up taking another psych class and i was like okay and then i kind of realized like well you know my dad's really really good at this um and i kind of said well you know what are you going to do with a music as a music major or um a writer and ironically now I'm a, I do freelance writing and editing. So I did kind of end up there, but um, I kind of fulfilled all those different majors that I had been studying. Cause I ended up as a psych major graduating with a psych degree. And then after, you know, after I was, I moved up the ranks in the, uh, in our team and our community team at the, at the clinic, I became kind of a teacher because I was the senior case manager and then I would have to teach all the new case managers coming in um, what to do. So it was interesting that those, um, but yeah, you know, I, I started out as a music major just because I like playing music at the time, but uh, you know, it was just, it, that's more realistically a, a hobby than it mm-hmm. is a profession. So um, yeah. So um it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of just taking psych classes and liking them and also kind of thinking, well, because um, I, I remember as a young child, I didn't understand what a psychiatrist did, but uh-huh. I knew my dad was a doctor. And but, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't understand. You know, it's one thing if he's a general practitioner, because my only experience with doctors as a young kid was going to the pediatrician, you know, and mm-hmm. go get my checkup. But that's not the kind of doctor, <laughs> not the kind of doctor my dad was. <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain to a kid. Um, well, I'm a brain doctor, but I'm not a brain surgeon, you know, and mm. so it, it's just kind of like. But once I kind of grew up and got it, I was like, oh, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Plus, I've had friends also um, that have had substance abuse issues. Um, some are no longer with us. Some are in jail. Some are I don't know where. Um, and some are doing very, very well. So that was another reason I wanted to get into psychology um, was to kind of underst- try to understand why people behave the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, the best education for that is to work in the mental health field, because like I said, you're not going to learn anything like what it's actually like, except for actual real world experience. 
Um, but I'll just drop another movie real quick. If someone, it's kind of an obscure movie, but it is, you are able to find it. There's a movie called Clean, Shaven, which is if you want the closest experience to what it's like to live with schizophrenia, this movie is the most accurate depiction that I have ever seen put on screen of schizophrenia. It the audio mixing and visuals, the it's very disorientating and it's not an easy watch. Um, but if you're interested in what someone with schizophrenia deals with on a daily basis, um, because I, I went to a training where they put this headset on you. And so you have earphones and then you're seeing things and they, there's a, a there's a, like a virtual, it's almost virtual reality. Um, but it's much more of a, a, just like a simulation of what someone's schizophrenia is like. You're hearing voices in one ear, hearing something else in the other ear. Um, you're seeing things that aren't there. You're hearing things that aren't there. Um, so that's kind of like in that, other than that simulation, the the movie that I just referenced is um, the closest that I've seen to um um what actual schizophrenia is like um another thing that i just want to mention just just because we're a little bit about movies um just because you see it in a movie that's not really kind of uh that actually leads me into my next question because going by the going by the the movies and such with the mental health so if you could pick I know. Let's go three of each. So three movies that do it completely wrong, that you should just don't go by what they're saying in their depiction of mental health of any kind, and then three mm-hmm. movies that hit the nail on the head with showing, mm-hmm. or five, three to five, depending on how many you got, considering you've already mentioned two. So it's going to be harder for me to say the ones that I I, I wouldn't say absolutely stay away from anything. I would just say approach it with a pinch of mm-hmm. salt. Let's say it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, the clean, clean shaven, I would say, is the most accurate dis- depiction of, of what someone with schizophrenia is dealing with. Um, I would also, I would say that there's a variety of mental illness and drug addiction issues in the movie Requiem for a Dream, mm-hmm. which That's I haven't. One hell of a movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And for people that have seen it, they know. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I recommend it, but cautiously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's the ultimate anti-drug pca um that i would say couldn't agree more (laughs) definitely is i mean if you um yeah if you don't watch and when i say drug use i i do want to just want to say one thing uh i am not categorizing marijuana in this i i personally i'm just going to go off on on a bit of a quick quick tangent Mm-hmm. I personally believe, even though I do not partake myself, I personally believe that marijuana is healthier and safer than alcohol. So let's just get that right out of the deal. I agree but, with you 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, the guy driving drunk will hit you head on and will kill you. Uh, the guy that's just smoked a doobie and is driving... <laughs> uh, is going to go five to 10 miles under the speed limit and piss you off because he's driving like your grandmother drives. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, as far as depiction of hard drugs and why you shouldn't do hard drugs, sit your kids down and make them watch Wrecking for a Dream and they'll never want to uh, um, 
do heroin or uh, probably donate blood or anything to do with needles ever again. Uh, I myself have it. I don't like needles anyway. I so um, that's why I haven't. I'm the only one of my uh, my three brothers that doesn't have any tattoos because I don't. I don't dislike needles that much. I'm really strange. Um, I hate needles in relation to medical needles, but mm-hmm. I adore tattoos. <laughs> I've okay. got nine and more to come, but. Yeah, I don't know. I categorize them very differently. Yeah, maybe, you know, I would probably have to get a tattoo where I didn't have to look at it because mm-hmm. I can't even look when they're, when they're drawing blood for me. I, I can't don't do know. that like, either. Like, I I'm shake. Just like, and do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't even, like, when I got my my uh, my COVID shots, I was just like, just do it. I don't want to look. I don't want to, you know, just do it and get it over I'm with. exactly the same. <laughs> shots, so. drawing out blood. No, I'm good. Yeah, almost. tattoo. I'll I'll fall asleep. Huh. <laughs> it's very strange. Maybe it's like maybe it's real. You know, the, I have one brother who is covered in tattoos, and he loves it. He says he finds it very relaxing. I guess I don't know. People like acupuncture too, so I could you know I could be really oh, off base and do that. <laughs> um, I actually though I I had acupuncture once in my ears. <laughs> What? <laughs> um, and I did find it oddly react relaxing. That's so. interesting. Yeah, uh, I've I've lived an interesting life. I've had I've had now some you interesting. Just get experience. a tattoo and you can compare. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, well, I'll get back to you when I uh, finally decide. <laughs> Another, my other problem is is that I just don't know if I want to commit to something mm-hmm. like that forever. So it had to be something really, really. If I ever have a, uh, I I will say this, and I'll say this on your show, and uh, people can hold me to it in the future. <laughs> that um, if and when I ever have kids, that's something I would get like their names and the date mm-hmm. of birth tattooed. That's yeah. something that I would that would that's something I would commit to because that's something forever. That's you know. Um, can I ask? Uh, but can I ask how old how old are you? Me. I'm 40. Okay. So there's still time. Still time for kids. Oh, yeah, <laughs> You'll be yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm on the I'm 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 on the the uh the male side. So um you know, not to be gross, but you know, a, a, yeah. I mean, I see fucking Alec Baldwin's got to be in his 70s now. He's just he just announced that his wife's pregnant with like their fifth or sixth child. Didn't Nick so, Cage just um, announce that he they're expecting as well? He's like in his forties. This fifties, forty, forties. No, Nick Cage 40s. has got to. No, he's got to be in his fifties. Um, Nick Cage is not. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say Nick Cage is definitely older than I am. My boy's gonna actually, get this we'll, wrong. Yeah, I think we're. He's got to be in his fifties. He's in his fifties, isn't he? Fifty-eight. Yeah, I yeah. I was gonna say so. Nick, if he was fifty, not no. sixty. Jesus. Christ. All right. So, so I feel good. Oh, actually, yeah, no, that would still... make sense with the films he's been in. I didn't think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I was gonna say because I know that I think the first movie that he was in was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, so he's got it. Yeah, so Nick Cage has got eighteen years on me. That sounds mm. about right. Okay, mm. I was gonna say because Fast Times at Ridgemont High probably came out the year that I was born and he was about 18 in that movie so yeah yeah that that lines up so but yeah um uh, as a guy i don't have as much to, to worry about where were we? oh movies that also depict <laughs> we sort i can't of just think of it derailed for a bit there <laughs> it's not a movie but there is a hbo series called i think it's called sharp objects mm-hmm. and amy adams in it did yep. you see that yep. Yep, I know the one you're talking about. So that is a very interesting and actually realistic depiction of Munchausen by proxy, by proxy where yeah. you make someone around you sick so they're dependent on you. It's a, I mean, that's horrible. Um, and actually, we just got done watching me and my co-host just got done watching Repo the Genetic Opera for our show. Great that, movie. That also has Munchausen by proxy in it. Um, yeah, the father was poisoning the daughter. Oh my God, it does too. Yeah. 
So oh, that's awesome. Munch has a by proxy. So, <laughs> um, but uh, for a more real, yeah, it, it 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 happens in this crazy rock opera. But for if you want a more realistic uh, depiction, mm. I would say go with the Amy Adams. Um, it's not accurate as far as what mental health hospitals are like now. But one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, Fantastic film. Yeah, um, that pro- for like what the time I mean, be- you know, back when it was the, the mm. book was written and the movie was made. Um, that's more so if you kind of want to see um, what the, uh, the the process or what older mental health care was like, if you really want to if you want to continue down that rabbit hole. I would recommend a documentary called Titicate Follies, which is uh, a documentary. It's, it's kind of like if One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was a documentary about like what actual mental health treatment was like decades and decades and decades ago. Um, ugh, it's gross. It's not an mm. easy watch, but it is a documentary. And I can't think of any. I mean, there's mm, I would say I the only thing that I can really think about that I would say the only thing I can't say anything just to totally avoid. But I would say anything where someone has multiple personalities. That's <laughs> not. Yeah, it, that is so extraordinarily rare. Um, so I guess I'm going to throw M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong under the bus and be like something like Split. Do it because um, I can't stand his movies. <laughs> no, no, I I kind of tuned out after Unbreakable. And funny, well, quick M. Night Shyamalan tangent. So I really, really liked Signs the first time I so saw do, it. Oh, I love this one of my favorite films. It's the only one of his that I adore. Okay, well now I'm gonna I'm going to tear it to pieces because it, everyone does. It, the it is fine. <laughs> I loved it in the theater, and then about you know a year later it came out on home video or DVD or whatever, and I rented it and I watched it, and the whole time I'm thinking because I knew that it was water that killed these aliens. And I was like, well, our atmosphere is made mostly of water. And so <laughs> that, that would be logical. If, yeah. I was like, so that would, maybe it wouldn't kill them, but it would at least make them sick. And then I'm thinking, all right, maybe I'm thinking too hard. But then I was like, well, they are invading all over the world. And you mean to tell me not one place in the entire planet? It's raining. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. So, but I would just say something going back to, to split. I mean, um, yeah. Like anytime that I see multiple personalities or that kind of stuff, that's, you know, that's kind of exaggerated mental illness. That's mm. uh, um, uh, so I can't think of any instances where I would say absolutely don't watch. Can you think of any that are just like, okay. It's kind of hard because I haven't been on that end or on that side of it. I mean, there's a lot of films I've watched that depict it, but whether it's correct or not, it's a whole other situation. Like one of my right. favorite films is um, Girl Interrupted. And I, I love that mm-hmm. film. But whether that there are parts of it that I can relate to because I've been not in an asylum, but I've thought similar circumstances. And so watching it, I'm like, there might be some truth to like depiction could be correct, but mm-hmm. it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, I can only go I, by my own experiences and I don't wish that upon anyone. So <laughs> um yeah, I would just say that um yeah, yeah, when it comes to mental health in movies, it's often not depicted realistically. Um, Mm. and that's kind of just, that's just the nature of entertainment. I mean, it, I mean, it's gotta, they gotta kind of spice it up. Yeah. Yeah. They gotta kind of spice it up. That's why I would say, um, clean shaven for me still, I would go back to Mm -hmm. just because there is a story um, because obviously you would you would there wouldn't be much to to follow if it, mm-hmm. if there wasn't the story is very minimal 
um, and it's much more about what what this person, this man, is going through. He's he's recently released um, from a hospital, and he's going to find his um, estranged daughter, and um, things happen. And so this actually also goes back to what I was saying uh, earlier. He's mistaken for a criminal and um like i said he it turns out that he is the victim he is not the perpetrator mm-hmm. of the crimes um which just goes back to what i was saying is that if someone with mental illness is far more likely to be the victim than mm-hmm. the perpetrator so um yeah that's that's kind of what i would say um other than that i really can't think of anything off the top of my head mm-hmm. to i wouldn't say i would just say approach all media um and i always encourage people to do their own research um absolutely yeah so So going back to you uh being on the other side meaning within this the field obviously you would have seen a lot so you would have been able to pick up what is being treated correctly and what isn't so is there something that you that you would have witnessed or seen that you think that could possibly still be going on now that should be changed? Like what's, what's the biggest change that you'd hope for within the, the system or the field? They're getting better with medication. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting medications that are less dangerous, less harmful to people. Um, one of the common side effects in it's someone that has um, a particular medication. I, I won't, name it because i don't want to disparage the medication because it does help people but one of the side effects is something called tardive dyskinesia which is a very very common side effect for someone that takes this medication for years and years mm-hmm. um, you're not going to take it once and get tardive dyskinesia but tardive dyskinesia it's kind of like a mild parkinson's disease like you have mm, kind of have okay. in, um uncontrolled body movements or shakes or um someone might talk like with their mouth open a lot um do weird things with their tongue um but so the medications are getting better um and you know progress has come for someone that might need a monthly injection now it might be every three months um less injections so so the improvements on the medication and I think that just the overall stigma of mental health being treated just as importantly as your physical health um, is helping that it's allowing people not to feel ashamed or feel embarrassed. Mm. And the thing, the thing is uh, someone gets diagnosed with a mental illness, people, you would, you got to treat that person the same way as if they were diagnosed with a cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, um, that's kind of that's kind of what I would like to see. What is starting to happen? Um, there's less stigma. People are talking about it more. People are more open to talk about it. And um, as much as I don't like celebrity culture, I think it is important when celebrities talk earnestly and mm. uh, openly about their own struggles, because then it makes it more relatable. No, absolutely. But on the other hand, I wish someone like Tom Cruise would just shut the hell up when it comes to talking about mental illness. And he can just shut the hell up anyway. <laughs> right? it be about mental illness or not, he can just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Another takeaway from this conversation: don't trust a Scientologist. <laughs> just... <laughs> I'll second that one. <laughs> well, um, I think so... we're getting closer to finishing up so is there anything else you wanted to say or think we haven't touched on or no if i think of anything i'll just uh let you know and i could come back but i'm glad that you're doing a a podcast like this it's it's important for people to be able to have a a place to come and you know it's a cliche but a safe place and just a place to to talk about whatever's going on with you or something that's happened and just you know it it might not be as severe 
your depression might not be as fear as someone that is really, really depressed and ends up being suicidal. And your anxiety might not be as bad as someone that has a panic attacks regularly. But don't diminish your own personal mental health because you think it's not as bad as somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Every everyone everyone deserves health care across the board, mind, body, you know, and that will help your spirit. So I would say that's probably the most important thing. No, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, with that being said, we'll wrap this up. So thank you very much for, for joining. Um, oh, you're very, very welcome. That it really. <laughs> so with that being okay. said, everyone have a fantastic day and you'll hear from me at least in a week. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Mondays. If you or anyone you know has a story to tell, whether that is mental health related or even just an anecdote for my other episode in the week, Sweet and Sour Nuggies, please get in touch with us via email or via our social links. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at ssnuggiespod, that is S-S-N-U-G-G-I-E-Z pod, or you can email us at nuggiespod at gmail.com. Once again, this has been your host, Ebony, and thank you for listening.